0: This podcast is produced by Clarence Valley Community Church. If you benefit from our ministry and you would like to support us, details can be found at our website, cvcc.com.au. There you can also find out more details about our church. Reading from Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to 17. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable... Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his chest and said god have mercy on me a sinner i tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before god for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Then the disciples saw this. They rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. If there is ever a parable that we should just like, like stick in our mind, it was that first one that I read of the tax collector and the Pharisee. You know, you can teach a lot about God if anybody asks. If you just tell that story, even if you don't get it perfectly right, you sort of get the idea that there is this religious tax collector. If I was to give you a, an example of who these people are today, it would be like a real holy looking priest. Like Pharisees were like the, the religious dudes of the day, like real holy. And then maybe like a sleazy pawnbroker, Like this is, the, this is the, the tax collector, right? And so Jesus comes along and he's sort of flipping everything upside down on its head. And he's saying, you would expect that that, that holy as thou priest is the one that, that God loves, that God's ready to receive. And yes, look at this tax collector. That should be the person that is rejected from the kingdom of God. And if you can remember that and see the reaction that Jesus, how he flips that, you can actually speak into people's lives who really are suffering with doubt. Really suffering with doubt whether God will accept me. He's too good for me. He's too big for me. He's too far away for me. Why would he accept me anyway? Look at my life. Jesus gives a warning to those. So this is how it starts off. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So he's looking down on people. That's what this Pharisee was doing. Standing alone. This Pharisee doesn't need to be messed up with the people, with the sinners. He stands there alone. You you probably see him in those flowing purple robes. He's wearing gold around his neck. He's like, of course I'm blessed. Look at me. I stand here alone, proud. This man is proud. And you know how he starts his prayer to God? He starts his prayer by telling God what he's not like. All right, I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer, an adulterer, or even, I can't believe this. Jesus goes here, he says, even like this tax collector. So he's there at the temple in the presence of God. He's going to tell God what he's not. We can already start to detect some issues here that Jesus is raising for us with this man's heart. Then he's going to tell you what he's actually like. I'll tell you what I'm not like. Now I'm going to tell you what I am like. I fast twice a week, God. I give a tenth of everything I get, God. You could almost, you could almost guess the next words that are coming out of his mouth. God, you're lucky to have me. Lucky I was created. Look at all the rest of them. Like I stand here alone. I'm on my I'm on my little pedestal look at me Wow you know do we think there's a sense in the world where that's actually how the world judges I can tell you in the business world in the in the the finance world in in just even when I was a tradesman you know it was those that were looking really good puffed up had it all together I think we just naturally gravitate to these people as being leaders. Like we're like, oh, you know, that's amazing. Like, look at you, how you got here, all on your own strength and how wonderful you are. But then we tend to neglect maybe the mothers who are raising kids like, and raising them at the best of their ability or, you know, those, those lowly servants who, you know, that, that cleaner, that clean that man's business or that woman's business and that person has a heart of gold and yet they get no mention in this world. But the world tends to gravitate to what looks good but is god looking on the outside or is he is he reading the heart this is the point jesus is making and we need to be careful we don't fall into that trap chasing after those that may look a certain way act a certain way but they are deficient of the things of god we must be careful of this ourselves but my first question for this pharisee is who did you come to worship at the temple Was there any mention of God? Was it, well, this is what I'm not. This is what I am. And thank you, God. Or maybe, no, you thank me, God. You know what I mean? Honestly, it is a picture of self-worship, self-love. And he's standing there in the presence of God. Like a pompous sultan addressing his servant boy. That's how he talks down to God at this moment. I judge myself. I vindicate myself as righteous. Man, you're lucky to have me, God. God, we know best. You know, God, maybe when I get to heaven, you could scooch over the throne a little bit and maybe I can take up a corner. We can rule together. You know what I mean? Just horrifying, scary. Anybody here who fears God and knows his holiness, you know, you hear that and you think, man, this guy is absolutely crazy to have this heart. But we must also be careful because the sting of pride that Jesus identifies, that can also rest in us. Not only can we look to people like this, but we ourselves can have that within our own heart. And we need to be careful this false religion, a hierarchy of righteousness, like, oh, so she's doing really good, so we'll put her there in my heart of of how high up she is, and he's sort of not, he's struggling this week, and so we're going to lower him down here. You know, one of the reasons that we come to communion, and we all take it together, is because we've all admitted that under Jesus, no one gets to heaven. No one. Like, I don't, I don't sit here for a second and think that I'm anything above anyone else. Because if I do that, the Word of God tells me I can't take communion. That's how important equality is with God. Yes, we may have different roles. Yes, we must have to do different things. But as far as God's concerned, we're all equal under Him. And especially in the church. This is where we call out hypocrisy, not allow it to fester as it was in the first century when Jesus is roaming around looking at these Pharisees and looking at these Sadducees, looking at the Sanhedrin and he's judging them all because Jesus judges rightly and he says, boys, you're going to hell if you keep going. He says that out of love, not out of hate, not out of malice, not out of anger. But if you keep this heart game up with God, He's going, to be the, he's going to have the final say, and you are falling far short, far short. And the, the hard thing to think of as well is if we start playing this game in church of someone's more righteous than another, we're going to start judging people on, on performance. What's going to happen is we're going to demolish the church, but worse still, guess who we're representing? We're representing God out to the community. And if God is anything like this Pharisee, I can guarantee you now, I have no chance of getting to heaven. There's only one person that measures up in his economy, and it's probably him. Maybe a couple of his mates. Whereas we preach a message of free forgiveness, free love, and free grace. And when you see the love that God has for you, that's the part that transforms us. Like, I don't want to be righteous to show I'm one above another person. I want to be righteous because I personally love God because of what I've seen in him. He showed me mercy. I want to show others mercy. He shows me kindness. I want to give kindness to others. Guess what? Every day Jesus is long-suffering with me. He has to put up with a lot of rubbish in my life. And so I am going to put up with a lot in other people as well. Obviously there comes a limit where there's abuses that are, that are too much, that just need to be lovingly, like Jesus did, gently called out. But we don't become like this man. So this parable ought to be a bit of a warning to us who claim to belong to the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says this. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You know what I mean? It's like don't get comfortable in your faith. Don't presume God, but walk with God. You know, it's not a moment where you just leave God behind and presume that everything's okay. It's like, no, Lord, I need you. I need to walk humbly before you every single day. Jesus said, die daily. And so Paul's just warning us. And I wish, and Jesus is giving that warning here with the Pharisee. Don't presume anything. You fall. Cling to Christ. Cling to God. Jesus then moves on. To the tax collector the first word that comes to mind when i think of this tax collector and what he's doing is he's ashamed he is ashamed he knows that he has done a lot of shady business deals he knows that he's ripping people off that he's living an immoral and unrighteous life everybody in israel knew what a tax collector was when jesus said this the people were horrified they're like when you said that there was one that was justified you actually meant to say the Pharisee, didn't you, Lord? That was would be going through their head. But this is what the tax collector does. In verse 13, he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. What's God's reaction to this plea? You are a sinner. What are you even talking to me for? you're unclean get out of my presence what are you doing in my temple did we hear that in the in the text that I'm about to read is that the reaction that some expect from God I know when I speak to people they're like our God's all bitter and he's up he's twisted and I'm like are you kidding me like are you kidding me he's shown nothing but steadfast love and kindness to humanity from the very start he needed to put things in place just to slow us down from our evil he judges evil And even that's a grace even that's a mercy like the bible says that even now god is restraining the heart of man because there are heights of evil that we can't imagine and in very modern history world war one world war two pol pot all of these stalin all of these people we only need to, to do a quick google search and we can see that if god let it rip this place is done it's a dump out there it's all burning you know what i mean and god is holding us together and judging sin along the way in the purpose to bring people to him that's been his design that's why he's allowed creation to continue on he's waiting for the full measure and the full number of us to come to jesus and then the end comes he's giving people time and so no god didn't kick out that tax collector But what he does is he offers, Jesus offers hope. Jesus offers hope. I just want to read for us Psalm 89 verse 14 quickly, just to give you a picture of God's heart in this situation. Psalm 89 verse 14. It reads, righteousness and justice are the fountain of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. You imagine telling people about a God like the one that we have. I'm excited to tell people about the love of Christ. I'm excited to tell people that God loves them. Jesus even flips the proverb with which this verse came from, which is Proverbs 3, 33 and 34. It says, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. You can see how Israel switched that around. They're like, well, I feel righteous and I look righteous. And so I'm, I'm great. I'm doing, I'm doing real well. Whereas the curse then lays on them, on their household, because they are not righteous. They are, they are Jesus says they are unmarked graves. Not only are they rotting inside, but they cause others to go down these roads. You hang out with hypocrites for long enough. You hang out with gossips long enough. you hang out with the self-righteous wrong enough, long enough, and what do you start to become? You become like those who you hang out with. You become like those who you value. But what does the proverb say? God opposes the proud but shows favor. To the humble now who in the parable is humble and who is proud so Jesus finishes the parable because Israel was in a mess at this stage in history they had no idea of how to interpret God's word at a most basic level and honestly I wouldn't be able to at uh, without Jesus without the Holy Spirit actually giving us time to consider his word Philippians 3 uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says this do not do, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. This is, this is the reaction God wants us to have. And this is the reaction of the tax collector beating his chest and crying out for mercy and jesus says this we're going to understand i like if you have not done a word study on what justification means i like tell everybody i do counseling with this i say if you do not understand intimately what the word justification means please do yourself a service to your faith and go and learn it learn what justification means I'll give it to you in a quick sentence it's as if you've done nothing wrong that's what Jesus said of this tax collector it's as if you've done nothing wrong but Lord he's a sinner he's done terrible things but what happens when God takes hold of his sin and casts it upon the cross of Christ it is forgiven It's as if you've done nothing wrong because the debt's been paid for. You are set free from death and sin and you are righteous before God not because of anything you've done but because of the love that God has shown you in Christ. Now one last parable that we're going to go through before we close up. We get a picture now of these little children and these mothers with babies. They're going to Jesus because they see that Jesus is a righteous man. Now all they want is for Jesus to bless the children. Just do a little prayer. Just touch them. Like remember, people were touching Jesus and they're getting healed of all manner of diseases. And they're like, well, we want a blessing from Jesus too. And the disciples, what's their reaction? He don't have time for you. Get out of our face. Jesus is a busy man, he's on a mission, he's got real people to say. Tell your children to go home. You know what I mean? jesus then uses this as a teaching mechanism for us as another parable yes jesus loves children but i want to tell you what he loves about you if you take it on it is this it is if your heart is like a child's you will see the kingdom of god this is what he says he's using it as a way to teach us a deep truth now why does it say babies why does it say infants Why did, why did, why's Luke put this in here for us to know in order to be saved, right? If I stop feeding my baby, what happens? If I stop giving milk to my child, what happens? If I don't put a roof over its head, if I don't care for it lovingly, care for my child, what happens real quick? Disaster. 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 Do we see ourselves in the arms of the Father in the same way? That's what Jesus means. Do we see ourselves held by Him, completely surrendered to Him, knowing that we can't even control tomorrow, let alone the next hour? And He wants you to come as a child with nothing. And God is the one that's going to give all the provision to bring you into His presence. See, if my children are trying to look after themselves it's gonna be really tough for them. But if they merely call out to their father, I know you would come running. Jesus says, you who are evil know how to give good gifts. He's talking to all of us. What about your heavenly father? What more will he do for you? And so like children, we come completely emptied, completely surrendered and just receive what he has given us, which is his son. That's all the provision we need. That's all the life we need. Now, with that all said, once we've surrendered ourselves to Jesus, you only have a couple of responsibilities to do your utmost to just love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Hold on to, get these two things right. Hold on to Jesus, love God, love others. I don't think the Bible could have made it any easier. If you follow that, it will go well for you. But all too often we throw idols in our hearts, we make other things more important than God, and we probably don't treat each other great all the time. And so we need to keep coming back to this. We need to keep being reminded of this, because otherwise the world's just going to choke us up and even in that because it's not going to be perfect for you it's going to be hard but even in that pursuit god is going to day after day make you more and more in love with him and in love knowing how to love others as well and he works alongside you it's not that's not even an active force or an active will we do it together with god And so my challenge to us today is this. Will you be the tax collector? Will you beat your chest, not even able to raise your head to heaven and say, God, forgive me, a sinner? Or would you be like that child, knowing that you can do nothing to enter the kingdom of God yourself, but just know that he has made all provision for you in Christ. And you only need two things. Love God and love others after that point. Was anyone expecting the kingdom of god to be like the way i've just described i know i go out into the world they'll tell you all sorts of things i've just made it so simple believe in jesus surrender yourself to him did you know right now in heaven it is heaven is completely packed full of tax collectors liars prostitutes drunkards all of these people have surrendered themselves to jesus what an incredible blessing to know that saved by grace not worthy to lift their heads to heaven, and yet they dwell in the kingdom of God right now. Realize your sin before God, and before you go into self pity, which the tax collector could have done, oh, God won't accept me. How could, how could God ever want anything to do with me? Know that God delights in mercy. I'll quickly read for us here Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. Again, who expected the kingdom of God to be like this? Let your pride and feelings of unworthiness alone. And I want to leave us with just one more verse. Israel was an absolute mess at the time of Jesus. They were a mess. They were not ready for their king to come They were not ready for salvation and to take hold of God's promises. He'd been promising for like 3,000 years and finally the promise is there not in a book, but in flesh Jesus is there proclaiming the kingdom proclaiming forgiveness of sin and peace to all men all women and all children And they were a mess, and they would not come. And this is God's heart. Coming from Luke 13, 34, Jesus looking down upon Jerusalem. He begins weeping as he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, and you were not willing... So my challenge to you today is this, will you be willing, will you be broken by the love of God that he's shown you in sending his son, his perfect son to die for you, to give you eternal life, costs you absolutely nothing because it's a free gift of grace. And Jesus seems to indicate it was you that wasn't willing. But today is the day of salvation. Today you can come, let your pride go, and just surrender to Jesus. Give Him your life like an infant, like a baby. You can offer nothing except to receive the provision. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much that You have made it so simple to come into Your kingdom. Father, we oftentimes can mix this all up. We look to tax collectors and the rulers of this world, but Father, you are interested in the heart and anybody who humbles themselves before you admits their sin and ask for provision, ask for forgiveness. You give it in abundance. You are faithful to save. You love to save because you reign in mercy. You delight in mercy. And so, Lord, I pray that not only will we be re-energized by this truth, but that, Father, we would take this truth out to our friends, our family, our neighbors, to describe to them the incredible love that you show day in and day out even if they're a tax collector the day before. In Jesus' name, amen.